Hello there, you awesome people, and welcome to TAF Talks, the show that's all about influencing positive change and doing things differently. My name is Jamie Waugh, and I'm the Programme Manager and Creative Lead for Together and Active Future. And alongside me is the grandiose, the gregarious, sometimes a little bit grubby, Ken Massey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast today. Um, thank you for that introduction. I- <laughs> I didn't mean it, you're not grubby. I'm sorry, mate, I didn't mean it. Yeah, grubby felt <laughs> on the harsh side. I mean, I, I do like the introductions, but grubby was maybe one step. One step. <laughs> so, um, today, today's podcast, everyone, is um, today's podcast title is Minding Your Language. Um, and this isn't one that's going to be around um, Jamie's potty mouth and the occasional bad word that he sneaks into our podcast every now and then. Um, but this is actually around the language that professionals use in their working lives and when we're interacting with others. And just some thoughts we've, ha- we've had from Together and Active Future over the last couple of years and some of the work we've been doing with partners around the difference that language can make, either positively or negatively. So over to you, Jamie, to perhaps introduce the topic. Okay, so um, I think one thing which you touched on there is a little bit of that we're trying really hard in, in TAF um and also trying to influence others a little bit and i think we're trying to encourage people to think maybe a little bit more carefully about some of the professional corporate language they use that can potentially sometimes be a bit of a barrier to really great interactions you know after all words are a powerful thing and they can you know make or or break something um you know as as i've found out anytime i've tried chatting up a girl in a bar (laughs) <laughs> words are a powerful thing that can break something usually. So um, what I thought we'd do is, before we kind of got into the meat of this and talked about our own personal experiences, I thought um, I'd look online and find some, some funny and potentially slightly out there uses of some of this language and jargon. And you can then have to firstly talk about whether you've ever used it. And secondly, maybe give me a bit of a feel if you know what, the definition of what it might be. So. This is somewhere, the first one. Somewhere, no, between, on. somewhere between a quiz and an exam, this then. I could end up embarrassing myself here. Yeah, and knowing the intellect of you, I think you're going to struggle on both. Okay, so <laughs> so the first one. Okay, nice, easy starter. Empower. Um, empower probably is a word that I use a lot. And I think it means to give someone the confidence and authority and tools that they need to get something done. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And then I saw something online that made me think a little bit differently about that. It says, it means that you want a person to do something, but you're totally still in charge. <laughs> and I kind of did think, I think, do you know what? That's possibly quite fair. It's how we use it. It's actually not about giving over power. It's about getting somebody to do something whilst you're still in charge of it. Anyway, moving on. Corporate values. Uh, again, probably one that I've used for my sins. I don't really like this one. Um, a sense of what the company stands for and thinks is important. Um, 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 well, I was going to use the word valuable again then. So go on, what did, think, you, did you find online? I think this is one thing that we've said before, isn't it? Is actually corporations don't have values, people do. Hmm. So actually it's not a corporation's values, it's the people who are at the heart of that who came up with those in the first place. It's the people values of the place that's there actually. Okay, so moving on to um, another little easy one. Uh, no, let's go straight into the silly ones now and see if you've used this. Open the kimono. 
know, I don't know what open the kimono is, but I'm pretty sure I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, you should, Ken, because that's about being transparent about what you're do, what you're doing. Okay. So there you go. Perhaps you should be opening the kimono, Ken. Um, how about this one? You must have had this low-hanging fruit. Yeah, and yeah, that gets used a lot, doesn't it? Low-hanging fruit. I think it kind of means um, the the stuff that's easy to kind of pick off and get done, or, yeah. or opportunities that will be easy to maximise. Um, yeah. Again, Another line. What I saw of this one didn't necessarily disagree with that. It said, "How about you stop concentrating on the things that are easy and think about the things that are hard that make an actual long-term difference." <laughs> Which felt fair again. And then finally, and I think you'll like this one. Let's see if the cat licks it up. <laughs> I don't like that one at all. And I don't know what it means. If the cat licks it up. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pass on that. I don't know what that means. Okay, let's just test if the customers like it. Oh. There you go. So I think that's one for Rosendale Leisure Trust to use in the future. <laughs> Maybe, but I suspect not. <laughs> okay so a little bit of fun there but i think trying to prove a point of that actually language like this and phrases like this can firstly make you shudder can make you laugh but generally don't really get across the point that you think that they do um so let's take that now to our own personal experiences ken and maybe over to you a little bit of you know talk about your own experiences with language and whether or not you feel like you're a culprit of some of the stuff we're talking about or you've experienced it and maybe give some real standout examples for you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, for me, I think that something that I've really learned over the last couple of years or so is how important the way that we phrase things in our language can be. And particularly when we're trying to um, develop our leadership skills, particularly when we're trying to influence others and other organisations to um, collaborate and work together. Um, and I think I'd probably... I think probably in some senses, as you mature and become more confident in yourself, you, you possibly use some of this language less. Um, and I think sometimes it can be a bit of a, a bit of a sense of armor or a bit of a shield that if I use these complicated phrases, maybe no one will ask me the hard questions that I don't know the answer to. Um, and so I think I probably have been a bit guilty of that. I mean, and even very recently, I had a really great experience at um, a Community Leisure UK event where we were chatting around some of the work that we're doing in Rossendale in particular um, with our primary care network, which is like a group of GPs who work together with other clinicians to try and coordinate the work better. And I was going on and on, on and on about the PCN and the CCG and some of these other acronyms. Um, and one of the colleagues on my table was a, was a chief executive of another leisure trust, one of the biggest ones in Scotland. And after a couple of minutes, he said, I think I might have even asked him what he thought about it or what they were doing in his place. And he, he just said, Ken, to be honest, I've got no idea what you're talking about. I've got mm -hmm. no clue what a PCN or a C, you know, I just don't know what these things are. And for two minutes, I've just been sat here looking at you thinking, I haven't got a clue what he's on about. Um, and it just really, that really hit home to me that this is someone who works with, within the kind of health and physical activity sector, albeit across the border in Scotland, um, but not very far away. Um, very intelligent person, um, but was struggling to follow what I was saying and the description that I was giving. So that really hit home to me. That actually, this kind of principle that we that we've spoken about a lot together and together an active future um, is really really important. 
And even if people within our sector don't understand what we're talking about, then how are people outside our sector? How are people on the you know on the street? People within the public domain, our friends and and neighbours, how are we going to be able to influence them and connect with them if they don't know what we're talking about? So that's just some of my in, initial thoughts. And I think there's one thing I think we'll we'll return to that maybe in a few minutes' time, which is that between sectors kind of language, which we'll talk about in a sec. So a couple of things on that. I think one thing was firstly, how did it make you feel when somebody said that to you in a meeting? Well. You know, I would have thought in some ways, in some ways embarrassed, but, but particularly coming from the fact that I'm a real advocate for using simple language and I've written blogs about it and stuff like that. Um, so on one hand embarrassed, on the other hand, just felt really, well, almost like, not kind of like that I'd perhaps wasted my time, wasted his time, just, just that it was completely ridiculous that we'd sat there for a few minutes having a conversation where there was only me who understood what I was saying and, and he didn't <laughs> kind of staring at me blankly. Um, and, and, you know, probably not em embarrassed per se, but just a real sense of, you know, a, a waste of, maybe not yeah. even hard to describe, but I think people probably, listeners probably get a feel. Perhaps, perhaps chastening is a good word for it. Although yeah. a bit too flowery perhaps of a, of a word, but, I think it's that bit of, I imagine, that you, you know, you won't do it again. I think, you know, me and you have chatted about this before is we're not saying that we get this right a lot. We both come from backgrounds and, and acceptors that do this a lot. And we're trying to get us out of that mindset and, and trying to stop doing it. And it takes yeah. time. Yeah. But examples like that, I think, help a lot. And one point I think is really important is... Um, now, whether or not this chap would have done this had you not given him the in... Um, and perhaps if you hadn't have done, he'd have left, never knowing what that conversation was supposed to be about. And actually, like I say, what a, what a terrible sense of everybody's time that was. But actually, that willingness to go, do you know what? I'm sorry, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. There's a bravery in that. But mm -hmm. actually, I would advocate people doing that on a more regular basis. Because I know for a fact, I've been in meetings where people have not really understood and as soon as one person goes, I'm sorry, I don't understand that, you'll often see quite a few people go, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Mm. And that's a real, it's like, well, what, were you not going to, were you going to sit here for an hour or two hours of your professional life not understanding what was going on or understanding bits of it? So I think being, I think we should advocate people putting their hand up and saying, actually, can I just ask you what that means, please? Because once I've done it, you don't need to do it again. I now understand it and the meeting can carry on. And I might be doing it on behalf of quite a few other people as well, which is quite helpful. Yeah, and I think, and I think on that, you know, um, no, the person who's speaking doesn't want to leave the meeting. They'd rather be interrupted and asked to clarify than leave the meeting thinking that their message has been clear and everyone else going away and perhaps doing 10 different things because no one really understood exactly what was being communicated. And so there's this sense of there's real value in the clarity and the clarity of understanding between everybody. And, um, the speaker would rather the person who's kind of sharing and speaking potentially in this difficult language would rather be interrupted and asked to clarify than than to never know that no one understood and then is not going to do anything with that information um, kind of and the thing and all we're talking about here is probably really between professionals so if you now take that to the next degree the next level of um working with or involving members of the public and actually, if, if, you know, 
there's another degree there of so people who don't work in that kind of professional sector at all, the, the need to even take that language a step further to say, actually, now we need to really start. It's not just about acronyms anymore. It's about the fact that people probably don't understand the sector and how it works and how it operates. Yeah. And actually, for me, I think one of the key learning points that I think I'd want to get across to everybody that we're trying to do is, particularly when it comes to designing your interactions with the public or people from background very different to yours, is just put a lot of care and thought into it beforehand. Whatever you're going to present or talk about, just put it in a language where you'd say, Do you know what, I think almost anybody could understand that, picking it up and just reading it out loud. Hmm. And that should be a default setting, really, I think. Because once you've started getting into the habit of doing that with the public or with whatever else, you'll start to more naturally do it in your work life as well, I think. You get into a habit of just doing it and actually saying, Do you know what, putting an extra 10 minutes of thought into this, there's probably an easier way of saying that. And I think what that relies on, which we're probably going to touch on now a little bit, is it's easier to be able to do that if you really understand what it is that you're talking about in the first place. Mm. You know, it's, I think we, we, you mentioned before that um, sometimes the use of some of these phrases and jargons is because maybe you're not as confident as you could be. But if you're dropping the term social prescribing into your sentence, you're going to make people smile and nod their heads. Where in actual fact, you maybe didn't really understand what you meant when you said it. <laughs> And I'm certain a member of the public wouldn't. So actually, it's about saying, well, that is what I want to get across. But what do I really want to get across? And what do I really mean? And I'll deliver it in that way. And maybe not everything needs a soundbite or a two or three word title. And I'll take the extra five seconds to give it a bit more so people understand it. I think, I think this is a really important point and probably the, the, the most important thing we'll, we'll talk about today is, you know, forget, forget the interaction between professionals within an environment. You know, one thing that I'm really passionate about and I think is really important as we move forward and, and move into a new world, if you like, potentially, um, you know, after, after this situation with coronavirus and the stuff that's happening at the moment as we sit and record this podcast, um, I think it's really important that we start to build things that are not kind of professionally based, but really harness and engage and involve people, people, regular people within our communities. Um, and so as we have conversations with them and as we build programs and ideas and initiatives together with, with local people and organizations and statutory services or whatever that looks like, it's going to be really important that we're able to communicate clearly and effectively with everybody. And that's not to say that people aren't bright or clever or articulate. Um, it just means that we, language is a really complex thing you know thousands of languages around the world but also thousands of languages just within our our sector within you know within english there's loads and loads of different um you know different micro languages within that and then we have to find a way to flatten that out so that everyone understands what we're talking about so that we can really mesh and, and communicate clearly together and get stuff done and, um, and i think i couldn't agree more i think the role of people like ourselves in, in, in TAF and the chance that we've got and the other LDPs, I'd say it should be our role to put the effort and the thought into doing this. And if you think you've done it, test it. Because actually I've seen things before where people have said, oh, this is really easy to understand, no, no, no. And you read it and you think, I'm not sure it is. It's better than the previous really corporate way it was written. But actually an example we've got is we wrote what was originally called our comm strategy and it was done in a certain way and then we rewrote it 
And then we shared it out with loads of people who had nothing to do with that. And we said, do you get it? And they came back and they went, I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't understand this. What about this? And we rewrote it. And then we did it again. And then we rewrote it. And it was a, it took time. But at the end of that, you end up with a document where you'd say, I'm proud to share that with anybody now. Um, because I think anybody can pick it up and know what I mean. And I think it's, it should be for us and for other professionals, particularly when it comes to the interactions, the involvement of the public, to actually take the time ourselves to get it right so that you haven't created a barrier from the off, that you don't waste any time having to explain what you mean or you're not starting to lose people or you've not switched a person off. Actually, from the start, you know you can all just focus your attention on the thing that you want to start talking about and sharing ideas about because you've set it off in a language that you're all totally on board with from the start. Hmm. So let's move into a little, let's do a couple more examples of uh, a few others that we've got that are maybe used quite a lot locally. Um, and, and again, maybe it's just kind of thinking about, do we understand what these mean? Is there a better way of saying them? Or actually, is it more around the context? So how, how about a lovely word, word of synergy? That's nice, synergy. You like that one? Would you ever say that to your family? Um, I probably wouldn't say it with my family, but I probably do use it a lot at work. So in, on that basis, then I need to change. <laughs> I like this new test. My normal test is, would you say that to your mates in the pub? But well, let's just extend that to, would you say it to your family? Because really, I imagine what you mean is just things coming together or things working together. Yeah. And actually, everyone understands that, don't they? It's an easy one. Uh, I, I, I love this one. and I struggle. And again, we haven't got the answers for this stuff, but I think there's better ways of doing it stakeholders that's a nice one everyone wants to be described as a stakeholder don't they yeah i'm stood in my field with my big wooden stick <laughs> pegging down some kind of tent or something i don't know what a stake i mean i know why, how we use the word stakeholders but yeah i don't know where the word comes from particularly maybe that's something you can bring out in our next pop, podcast a bit of research on what stakeholder actually means it's probably got a really clever historic context to it um but yeah, the people who are interested in the same things that we're interested in. Yeah, interested, affected by any of those things, that's fine. Um, how about, we'll do a couple more, because I know this is a little bit naughty, but some of these are just bugbears of mine a little bit. Uh, social movements. I love that one. Because in reality, somebody, will, I bet people are now saying, quite rightly, we're starting before people were put into lockdown in their homes, you were starting to see social movements, and we still are to some degree because of coronavirus. Mm. But in reality, I think what people mean is we're starting to see groups starting to work together to achieve something. Yeah, I mean, so I think that's what people mean when they say social movements, this sense of collective energy and enthusiasm about a topic, but it could mean anything really. It might mean moving between social classes, it might mean moving house, it might be, you know, it could mean anything really. And I think there's one, there's one connected to that that's really topical at the moment called, you know, so, this social distancing um, that our friends at the government keep talking about social distancing. Um, and, but that's exactly what we don't want. We don't want to people to be socially distant from each other. We want them to be physically distant. You know, don't be close physically with each other in terms of physical proximity, but we want people to be really deeply socially connected. Yeah. And so that, that's another one that just actually doesn't make any sense at all. And, it, and do you know what's mad about that is I don't think I've ever questioned that term. Right. 
You know what I mean? Because I, you return it, you go, yeah, yeah, I'm socially distancing. And no, somebody, oh, it takes somebody to go, put their hand up against it. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm, you're talking to Ken Massey on a podcast over Zoom. You're not socially distancing. You're physically distancing. And I think it is coming back to that bit, isn't it? It's, you need to be careful with language because people could take that the wrong way. And actually, it's about not connecting. Well, no, it's not about not connecting. If anything, we should be encouraging social connections more now than any other time. Keeping contact with people. Yeah, super. Yeah, and I think that's just a perfect example of a phrase or word that's used that then is just passed out across the nation. Everybody's using it. But actually, it might not actually be the right term for what it is we're trying to convey. And astonishingly, I think what you're saying, Ken, is that the government are sometimes getting things wrong, which is an astonishing thing to say. I would never make such a claim. <laughs> so uh, how about if we really quickly touch on some of the maybe defenders of some kind of corporate business language, what those people might say, and if there's a fair point to it, is there a time for it? And then let's talk about maybe some of the reasons why we think it's better not to. Yeah, so I think. So, how about if somebody's going to say to you, well, Ken, I work in the NHS with colleagues um, and it's a language we use, it's shorthand. It's, you know, that's, that's just how we talk. What's, what's the problem with that? I think that's a, you know, there's some merit in that argument that it is succinct and shorthand. I mean, I think, you know, it's not, it doesn't take that many more words and words are fairly easy to get out most of the time, particularly for you. Um, <laughs> but so I think. So I think probably the key thing to think about is, am I absolutely sure that everyone in my conversation at this moment in time understands what I mean? And if they're not, no matter what you're talking about or no matter what your language is, I think it's the responsibility of the speaker. It's not the responsibility of the listener to be understanding. It's the responsibility of the speaker to be communicating in a way that they're confident everyone else will understand. Yeah. And I'd add into that as well. I think it's, I'm going to, I imagine that as things move forward, as they already are now, actually, very few organisations and very few teams work just within their team and within their organisation. The NHS work massively now with social care and with other organisations. The leisure trusts now work with more partners than ever before. Yeah. So actually, that use of this is our team's language stops working because by its nature, you're very, very rarely just with your small little team in a, in a place together. Um, and I think, so let's, and then maybe a couple of the, I think we've already talked about these a little bit, but I think we'll talk about the reasons that maybe it's used and where maybe, you know, I think you talked about sometimes it helps you hide the fact that maybe you don't quite know what you're talking about or you're not confident enough. Um, sometimes it can be, to dare we say, sound a little bit more intelligent than you actually are. I don't mean you, Ken, but I mean, you know, somebody. Um, not unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and it, it's just about that. If you maybe you just don't understand it well enough, and if nothing else, trying to stop yourself using jargon should make you sit there and really think of do I really understand what I'm talking about here? And if not, make sure I nail that bit before I go and talk to people. Yeah, um, I, I can I completely agree with with all those points, and I think you know the key the key thing is 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 making sure that we're understood and understanding what's happening in a conversation you know and and sometimes you might not quite know what that phrase means and you're trying to use a phrase to kind of convey an idea of something that's perhaps you haven't quite got a handle on all the detail and I think a lot of people that's true and we all obviously find ourselves in that situation all the time 
But equally, you might have a perfect understanding of what you mean, um, but others might understand it a different way. And there's things like social prescribing is one that I think I probably feel like I've got a perfect understanding of what social prescribing is. But if I go and speak to someone in, the, in an NHS circle or in a charitable circle, or if I speak to a GP, each of them would feel they have a perfect understanding of social prescribing too, but all of those four definitions will be totally different. So it's really big about that as well. Which is, it's firstly time consuming and also a little bit dangerous mm. to, all, to all sit there agreeing with each other and leave knowing you haven't agreed on the same thing whatsoever and things are going to then set off on the wrong train. It's, it's, it's not a cool place to be. Cool. So I think some summary points, Ken, before we need to go. Um, I'll take a couple of you jump in, mate, as you need to. So I think one thing that I believe passionately, um, because I try to do it, is I think words, the right words can engage somebody and excite them. And actually, the exact opposite is true. You can also put people off with jargon and acronyms. So let's make sure we don't. One from you. Um, I think for me, uh, a key point or summary point is that the simple, simple language is the cleverest kind. Um, you know, you've got, if, if everyone understands what you've said, that's a really clever place to be. If no one understands what you've said, it turns out you're not that clever at all. Um, so, you know, the simplest language is the cleverest kind. Yeah, and I think adding into that kind of link to it is the simple language is inclusive. So you're not making anybody else feel like they're not clever enough to understand it. You're not making people feel like, oh, maybe I'm not really part of this thing that you're all talking about. Actually, it's inclusive using really simple language. And that's a really nice thing to aim for to include everybody with what you're kind of talking about. I think as well, a key summary point is when we use this simple, effective language, there's, an, there's a sense of authenticity, there's a sense of realness to it that people can really get to see who you are. And I think that creates a connection, particularly when we're trying to collaborate within, within a place or across sectors and within different organisations. That's a really valuable part that as we really think about and plan and concentrate on our language, um, it enables people to really see and see who you are and get to know you a bit better too. Yeah, beautiful. And then, you know, lastly, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you talk like this? Because you talk like this everywhere else in life. It's much easier. Yeah. And actually, you know, it, it works for everyone. Uh, I think one thing's worth saying is, you know, relating this back to Together Active Future, this is something we're really trying to do. You know, we're, we're creating um, things that help guide us in this world. You know, we have got, ways that we want to kind of sound and we are trying to create a bit of an alternative language dictionary for things that people might not get and I think it's our advice would be you know I know Sport England at times have asked for feedback I know Sport England have changed some of their ways of some of their languages that they're using and we'll admit that that's an ongoing journey um, and again so it, we, we just we just think it matters a lot and we're trying to influence and help people to do it and we're still learning about this stuff as we go as well um, yeah. And I think the final probably thought from me is just to encourage listeners to be brave, um, to be brave and say, excuse me, sir. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Excuse me, sir. What are you on about, you numpty? <laughs> and just, you know, taking confidence that that, that is going to really help the discussion to move forward, not to hinder it. Brilliant. Right. I think we'll draw it to a close there. Can I really like that one? Cause I think it really matters that kind of stuff. Uh, so brilliant. So I would like to thank you all for listening as always. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, um, check us out 
on the various podcast platforms and YouTube and find some of our other podcasts that we've published. And subscribe and then you'll be notified for things that are coming up. Uh, and you can also go on Twitter and find us at Taft Talks. Uh, tweet away and have your say. Uh, but for now, me and Ken will say cheerio and look forward to seeing you again next time.